You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 50 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Marianne Rataja. I'm alongside Justin Schwartz. Um, it's the big 50th episode. We've been planning to do something special um, for a while now. I don't even remember the last time we recorded. It's been uh, it's been a few weeks. Uh, we've been trying to get something in the works with our with our guests, our listeners, a few people in the weight room right now. We'll have them join um, a few voices you guys already heard before, uh, um, and obviously some new ones to talk Habs, talk about the NHL, um, and obviously about the Canucks. But uh, we'll get into that later. I'm um, Schwartz. How's it going? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to start back up, dive into a little bit of hockey, see where we are at the midpoint with the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, let's, I, I mean, without I'm further ado, why don't sit we sit back and just let people talk, if I'm being honest. Yeah, well, I'm excited to see some different opinions. I think we talked yeah. about this previously, but we always talk about how we have our own opinions. And for the most part, we agree a lot of the time. And, you know, that sometimes it doesn't make for crazy entertaining episodes but it's because we're we happen to be on the same page but let's see if we can find some differing opinions and uh bring those on board like if i'm not mistaken i think everyone here's a habs fan um unfortunately i tried to get like a leafs fan in here um just to try and get something going but whatever it's okay um producers telling me our first guest is liam Baum. liam's on the line so we'll get him in we've heard about liam before he's been he's been here before so we'll get him in here let's see let's add him here What's going on, guys? Liam, buddy, what's going on? Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, actually yep. really good. Amazing. Yeah, really good. Yeah, very well. Happy to be back once again. Yeah, happy to have you back, man. It's nice to, it's nice to see a, a, a familiar face around <laughs> these streets. Um, yeah, so, so why don't we just get right into it? You know, look, we haven't talked Habs in a while. We haven't. And uh, there's a lot to dissect. There's a lot to unwrap. But I, I just want, let's, let's just, I'll throw it right on to you. Press you at the top of the show here. <laughs> give me, give me your, give me your midseason review. Give me, you know, give me a few notes. Give me a few things that stand out to you. A few things that you'd, you'd want, you'd want to talk about um, here today. I mean, I'll start off with the fact that uh, the Habs had a really good start to the season. Nothing like we expected. You know, Caulfield was playing really well with Suzuki, obviously, and now we're at that point where every game seems like a tight battle or a loss. I went to the the Panthers game a couple days ago and it was just like it was so brutal to watch. We just get so dominated and you know, we have no goal scoring capabilities anymore unless it's Drew Way out of random power play goal, I don't know. But uh yeah, it's it's pretty hard to watch, but yesterday was a nice win, I got to say. Absolutely. Like the Canadians have won 3 of their last 4. And here's uh, right unfortunately, is that See, Liam, do you think that's a good thing? No, no, not at all. Because like Ken Hughes said, some wins are good to a certain extent. But at some point, like Schwartz, we were talking about it before, the Hawks won what? How many in a row now? Three? The Hawks have won three in a row, yeah. And they're playing and the on the back. just keep winning. Line. So we're just staying in the same spot. It's yeah. Like, to me, like, I mean, look, I love beating the Leafs. But in five years, when Connor Bedard's winning the heart for the Columbus Blue Jackets, you think I'm going to be thinking about the Saturday night game? Oh, yeah. Bizzle had a good few shifts. No, I'm not even thinking of that. <laughs> and Raphael Harvey Pennard was shutting down Matthews. Like it's good to see, but at the end of the day, like what is that? What what does that do for our, our future in the long run? Right. So it, it, it's I, I feel like Montreal now. And again, I want to I want to let you speak, but is in, is in a bit of a tough situation because 
you know, they have these injuries. The development of certain players has been stalled because of it. And now, and, and, and now they're, they're have, it's almost as if they're playing with a purpose because they're, because some guys are there to prove a point, right? Whether it's Harvey Pennard or whether it's Belzil. So it's hard to, to really gauge where Montreal is at. Although we think that they're trending downwards and which we, we hope in the long run, but they've happened to squeak a few in here and it's, it's not ideal. No, for sure not. But realistically, I don't think it's even possible to finish last just because of how ahead of the other bottom teams we are. Like Anaheim, Columbus, and Chicago. Yeah, like we would have to lose a lot of games in a row and Columbus Mm -hmm. would have to win a few games, which, which is definitely possible since they did struggle with injuries. But I mean, unfortunately, I just, I don't think it's possible that we're going to finish last, but Hopefully the uh, lottery goes in our way. I think bottom four is like fine. I think it's a good cushion to have. Yeah, it's definitely doable. But even at that, but... Arizona's at thirty three points. Like the, they suck too. Like I don't know how. Yeah, how they're gonna start getting points? But look, you you know what though? If if you look like I'm looking at it now, and you look at some of these teams, whether it's Arizona, Chicago, Anaheim, Columbus, like they're stringing some wins together. There is some talent on these teams now despite being a poorly coached teams and poorly run teams and not having a complete lineup they're they're going to find ways to win win at some point now if you take back three of the last three of the last four Montreal Canadiens wins or three three of those games where the Montreal Canadiens won you're looking at minus 6 points right so you're 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 sitting you're sitting pretty at 37 points you're behind Vancouver you're tied with San Jose and Arizona's four points behind so it's like it's a question of it's 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 a lose like every game it, it, like you, you got to hope for a loss. You have to, for sure. I mean, as of right now, current rosters today, I think Montreal has the worst roster. I think Columbus has a better roster than them. Anaheim, I, I honestly think they have a better roster than the Canadians. Maybe not Chicago, but Patrick Kane is still a deal breaker. But even at that, though, right? Like, like post injury, right? We're talking about yeah, post injury. Yes, yeah, yes. of course. So post injury, I mean, I would even still take Chicago over Montreal. The only guy that's manning the ship is Suzuki. Right, you're yep. and and Josh Anderson's gonna have to step up in a big way if he wants to get some points on the board, but it's not looking good. But um, I, and on on the same kind of note, like uh, kind of just a follow up question, we saw Slavkovsky's season come to an end, or basically gonna come to an end, um, a couple uh, about a week ago now, a week and a half ago. He'll be back. For and, playoffs. It, and yeah, back for <laughs> playoffs. Yeah, for our for our deep cup run. But yeah. my, my question to you, or my, my question, just kind of topic of conversation, like, do you think the way the Montreal Canadiens handled him prior to his injury was the right way to go? What do you think that this injury does, <coughs> excuse me, to your ice Lepkowski? <coughs> I'll let you take over there, Mark, because I'm having a cough attack. Well, I, I want to hear Liam's opinion on this. It, it's pretty simple. It, it's so debatable. Like, like do, do you think he goes down, or he should have went down, or not? Like, obviously, I think it would have been a good idea to send him down after a few weeks because he did start off pretty well and he mm-hmm. looked in place. But as the season went on, it seemed as though his confidence went down after not scoring for a while. And I mean, it, yeah, being in Laval would have been very good for his development. But uh, I mean, unfortunately, it can't happen anymore. What about the World Juniors? think he should have gone? I would have loved to see him at the World Juniors. I think Seattle did a great job of sending right to the minors for what was it like two weeks and then sending him to the world juniors. It seemed like his confidence was yeah 
out of the world. So I, I, the Canadians just never make the right decision, it seems, or the decision we want. But obviously, we have to trust Ken Hughes because got to trust a new regime. Yeah, he's made he's made some good moves, so we have to I'm trust just, him. I'm just afraid if he would have gone and like had like a a very mid performance, like I feel like he would have gotten it by Habs Media. For sure, but, you know what I mean. Sure. But, I'll counter that argument and say that he's getting it now. He's get, yeah. And it's not necessarily coming from Habs media, but it's coming from the public opinion saying, look, there's a lot of people that are premature with their opinions and calling him a bust, which is, in my opinion, you, you, you knew what you were getting with Slavkovsky. You were getting a project, but he's still getting a lot of hate saying that, you know, he's a bust. He has 10 points in 40 games. He, he barely has the puck on his stick. He doesn't drive play. He doesn't, he can't finish so on and so forth. So, what what if he did go to the World Juniors and have a great performance, you know? Yeah, I, I always say this, that Jack Hughes had 20 points in his rookie season when he was 18. And now look at him. He's maybe a top 10 player, arguably, in the NHL. So the, the potential is still very much there. So I'm not worried. Did I just the hear you call Jack Hughes a top 10 player in the NHL? I did. I don't, I don't Jack for sure. I argue with that. Do you, you guys have him on your fantasy team, or am I missing something here? <laughs> oh, we don't have the guy plays six-minute shifts. I know. You know what? He's he's definitely emerged as an as a spectacular talent, and I think that he's proving that this year. And, and again, like you said, like jokes aside, he 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 took a little bit longer. And I always like to make the comparison to a guy like Quinn Byfield, who is still yet to hit his hit his peak in terms of what he can do as a hockey player. But no one's no one's giving no one's giving LA a hard time for taking him at first overall. And uh, and second, uh, sorry. Yeah, uh, was it? Uh, yeah, second. second was third. Yeah, sorry. At second yeah. overall, and, and no one's giving him a hard time for being a bigger body who has to adjust to a, a pace that is completely different when you're when you're six five or six four, right? So, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's a tough situation, and it sucks that now there's no decision to be made. There's nothing you can do because he's injured. But yeah. let me ask you guys this: just onto another topic, who do you think is? For sure, gone at the deadline. Mark, you have you have uh, you have um, one I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go Edmondson. I think that's a good bet. I think that's a if good I, bet. If I had to guess, I just I don't see how no one's gonna pay for that. Like someone's gonna overpay. First round, it, pick? whether it's Ken Holland, whether yeah, who, whoever it is, someone's gonna overpay. Because um, I don't think Hoffman or Dadnov are getting moved, unfortunately, and. With the the rate these injuries are going at, I don't know how Kent is going to be able to offload all these bodies and then make Laval suffer because we're taking their all stars, right? If Sherratt was a first round, he was a first round pick, right? Yeah, Sherratt. Well, yeah. Sherratt's a first round pick. He, he was an then unprotected. Edmondson's first three pick. first round picks. <laughs> no, unprotected, yeah, yeah. That's the Panthers pick. So, um, sorry if you don't mind me chiming in here, but uh, Mark, why, why yeah. you don't you don't see you don't see Hoffman going? You don't see Dadnov going? No, just is that is that based off injuries or is that just based off of who they are as players and what they've done this year? I think it's based off the league where there's teams that are like garbage and barely have cap room or suffering on LTIR. Like this, this trade deadline is probably the worst one we've seen in years. There's bottom feeder teams that are struggling to get guys off of LTIR that have like three million dollars in cap space won't be able to make moves. Just having like I think five, maybe six million dollars in cap space is probably worth so much just because you could take on someone's bad contract it's not a thing anymore there's just 
this league's in so much trouble cap wise. Like no one has room to do anything. Like it's not mm-hmm. normal that every team has two players in LTIR. It's not normal to see that. Right. That's fair. That's why it, when you have a flat cap, it's kind of the issue. But that's the only reason why I don't see them being moved. It's like even if a team just wants to take Dadnov off a flyer for a seventh rounder, they can't. It's just it's mathematically impossible. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I guess follow up question for you, uh, Liam, and what 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 are your thoughts on Monahan? Assuming that he's he's practiced this week, most likely come back. You think he gets moved at the deadline? I, I think he's a great just start off i think he's a, an amazing player still he has a lot of offensive upside he seems pretty sound defensively i think he'd be a good player to keep for the canadians in the future but i mean if we're trying to lose you'd probably want to get rid of him and get whatever we can for him but uh with the injury i don't know it's hard to see him getting moved because he just got placed on ltir right so he's out for a month and that brings us to the end of february and the trade deadlines, what first week of March, something like that. Anyways, I think so. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just hard to to see him get moved if he's not playing at least like five to ten games before the deadline. Yeah, I think that's fair. Sample size is key, especially with guys that have to prove it, right? But I think Drew Way has a has a great chance of getting moved to a team like Colorado where he's had chemistry with McKinnon in the past. And he definitely has offensive upside. I don't care what anybody says. He yeah, obviously that, shows it. It's but, a $5 uh, million dollar cap hit. Would they yeah, we'd have to do... Get Horvat, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's, and, that's yeah. the issue. And the Cavs well, can't even retain 50% if they wanted to. Well, now with Caulfield gone, can't Yeah, we? you're right. You're right. They probably can. So but, but yeah. maybe, maybe it's a good thing, so... We'll yeah, see. we'll see. It I, could I, help I, him out actually at the deadline having Caulfield and LTR. True. Maybe take on a couple more contracts, right? Yeah. Or retain one. Exactly. Absolutely. I'd love to see everybody get moved. Hoffman, Dadanov, Drouet, Edmondson. I don't think Savard. Look, in a in Allen. a perfect in a perfect world, yeah. in a perfect world, it makes sense. But the, like like Mark mentioned before, right? Like they have to keep some guys. They don't. They can't. They can't necessarily dump all these players have an AHL roster in the NHL and have a ECHL roster in the, in the, in the AHL, right? Like it just, again, there's development that has to go down that has to happen down there in the AHL. And look, Montreal can suffer. They can, they can, they can suffer, but it's, it's a question about the development also. So it'll be, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see who they, uh, who they give up. I mean, we're doing pretty well with the AHL roster right now. Raphael Harvey Pinard on pace. Yeah. 25. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, but anyways, we're reaching the, the time limit here for, for you, Liam. So we'll pass on to the next guest. Thank you so much for coming. We'll do it again Thank soon. You. Always a pleasure, um, Liam. Always a pleasure. Course. Thanks, right. guys. Yeah, no worries. Ciao. Thank you. See ya. All right. Um, that was fun as always. Next. Oh, I really screwed up my audio here. Next, we got... Um, let's see what the producer's saying here. We got AJ. <laughs> we'll, send, we'll send them in here. AJ, how's it going, boys? What's up? What's going up? good, going good. I apologize if there if there's a large ruckus in the background. I think there's an event going on at Concordia, no, but no, uh, hopefully Concordia, these uh, yeah. Sony, yeah, hopefully these Sony XM5s could uh, cancel out the noise in the background. But hey, AJ, uh, yeah, we're congrats. Not here. We're not sponsored. Yeah, no worries. 
<laughs> congrats on episode uh, 50 excited to be Thanks. on the pod and um can't wait to get the show on the road well if yeah, someone from it. sony is listening um yeah. <laughs> we can thank aj for that one we can thank aj exactly not sponsored uh, not affiliated nope. Exactly. <laughs> nope no problem anyways um aj do you want to piggyback off of what we were talking about do you want to talk about anything else just you throw it you throw us the topics here yeah so i actually had a few topics in mind um uh, the three topics were Habs prospects, the all-star game, and a little bit about Connor Bedard. Uh, we'll start off with the, the Habs prospect, notably um, the star-studded. See? Now, from according to my stats, as of January 15, 2022, uh, Lane Hudson played 20 games, 8 goals, 14 assists, for a total of 22 points. Now, a lot of people are comparing him to Kale McCart. Now, Kale McCarr, at the same age, in 34 games played, he had five goals, 16 assists, and 21 points. So where do you think his potential lies moving forward? I, I don't put him as high as Kale McCarr, if I'm being honest. Um, okay, okay. Well, also, Kale McCarr at that age was playing, what, Junior A? Right? Um, but I think so, anyways. Uh, I know okay. we'll get right. Look, Rylan, I see him smiling on the bottom. He, he's for sure, like, he, <laughs> needs to, he needs to talk about this right now. He's fuming. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> look i can see it but uh but yeah I, I see him like if i had to put a name i'd put adam fox but even at yeah that, yeah ceiling, you know that's, that's the one comparable i'd have um just because the way he skates the way he moves the puck um yeah he's very but, dynamic of course of course but yeah i i think for him like this is the first time we're gonna see a guy like that in montreal if I'm, you know and if he yeah, grows that flashy you know, defenseman yeah well, because I look, Subban was flashy, but he wasn't the greatest skate. Like he, he looked like he could skate, but he really wasn't. He just, yeah, you know what I mean. But, um, but a guy who can move the puck like that and actually quarterback the power play because I don't know about you, AJ, but when I'm watching these Habs games and I see this little drop pass from the center and then no one knows what to <laughs> do anymore and then everyone's stuck there waiting for Drouin, but he's in the rafters. You know what I mean? Like, kind of, <laughs> we're gonna need that that quarterback, and I think I think he'll be that guy, and especially like the doctor says, apparently he's gonna grow. So. Mm-hmm. Right, right now, right now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's listed at at least on Hockey DB. He's listed at five nine. So if I'm not mistaken, even coming out of the draft, he was even listed. I want to say five seven, five eight. So I think that things are obviously looking up in terms of his build, in terms of his physique. Now, like you mentioned before, like look, it's tough to compare him to a guy like Kale McCarr at the end of the day, considering what he's accomplished at the NHL level. But let's not ignore the fact that you you mentioned 27 points in 22 games at Boston University, a D1 college playing against D1 schools, um, a, a top top of the top competition in the, in the U.S. So, I mean, there's definitely signs in the right direction proving what he will be able to do in in at the NHL level. And it just, you know, from here on out, you know, if he fills out a little bit, right? Right now he's, he's listed at 148. So put on a little bit of weight, grow a little bit, and continue that continue that development in in probably one of the better development leagues in the NCAA. I think, I think things are looking up for him as a prospect and, and probably one of our better uh, prospects in the system as of right now. The most exciting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about his skating. Um, I personally believe that he could quarterback the power play. Uh, someone who has similar uh, skating abilities would be Antonio Stranges, Stranges from uh, Dallas yeah, Stars. Dallas, I believe yeah. he would be sick to have on the power play too, but um, we'll move on to uh, a more offensive topic. Uh, that leads me to uh, my second point, which is the All-Star game coming up. First of all, what do you guys think about the new uniforms, the new jersey going the Mi- Miami Vice colorway? Wait, are we do you guys NHL like it? Or a- NHL or HL? Because Laval's hosting here. <laughs> oh, that's true. No, we'll, we'll stick to the NHL for now. NHL, okay. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like it's almost running out of ideas. I think that they could have definitely capitalized with the colors. I like I like the bright pink. I like the baby blue, but it's, I don't know. There's something off in my. But opinion, why? Why are they doing this now? Yeah. It's well, not like it's an well, anniversary of some sort. Why are they? Yeah, but it they're back? playing. But maybe just because they're in. Oh yeah, I guess the throwback doesn't really. It's make just, sense it makes yeah. it just random. Yeah, and that's, that's true. What I found strange because they're still going to do like the divisional matchups, right? Atlantic versus Metro and Pacific Are versus they? Central. So oh, I wasn't sure. Them. Like I know they stuck to like I think it was 1994 where they uh, used yeah, those yeah. vintage jerseys, whatever. I thought they would mm-hmm. change Eastern to like the name of the division, but they didn't proceed in that route. But uh, yeah, so um, in terms, I'm not sure if you guys were familiar on Twitter. They had the All Star fan vote and everything, um, fan bases like- from Montreal. Carolina, Toronto, Ottawa. They, I think they wanted um, Caulfield to go for Montreal. Stutzla was pretty famous uh, uh, on the hashtag votes. Uh, Martin Nichas, uh, William Nylander. So what do you guys think of them being potential, potentially snubbed? Do you think it's rigged? Um, do you think the NHL just wants to send their brightest stars to the, the All-Star game? What are your thoughts on that? It has to be. It has to be. Like, There's no way that Stutzla or Caulfield had less votes than Austin Matthews. I know, especially like, on Twitter. Especially on Twitter, like I don't know what other. Yeah. What are they on Reddit? Well, because the thing is that I know that you that there was a final vote that if you were to go into the NHL app and you could have done it manually and like done ten votes per day or something. So I'm assuming that there's like yeah. the, that that Twitter wasn't the only way mm-hmm. to vote. But regardless, Twitter's probably one of the bigger platforms, especially for avid hockey fans in terms of voting and in terms of tweeting and in terms of conversation as a forum. So I'm surprised that like like I saw Caulfield and Stutzel at the top, 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 and I didn't I didn't see Matthew's name anywhere, Pasternak's name anywhere. So me neither. That threw me off entirely. Like was who's who's representing the Bruins? Is it Allmark? I think it's Allmark, yeah. And, and then, then Pas- Pasternak got uh, voted in, yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So yeah, like, um, they want to send their stuff. Yeah, go ahead. At the end of the day, it's like who really deserves. I think they just don't. They didn't want to have another Zemgis Gergensen situation. But at the end of the day, it's like, we want to see this player send them. And Caulfield obviously wouldn't have been able to go anyways, but... Yeah, given the injury, but that, that yeah. was only announced like after the fan voting was concluded. You think they so. were waiting? You think they were waiting? To see if he it's would funny, it's funny timing, be voted man. in? Yeah, funny time, like just a few days after, a few business days. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Sorry, I just wanted to chime in here. Like, it's funny because I think that I think that the NHL wants to create a fine line between well, we don't want you sending the Chad Ruweedles of the world, but we also don't want you sending. But but we're but we're fine. To, like you know, there, there's like there's a difference between sending a Stutzel compared to a Ruweedle when you're comparing it to the Matthews and the Pasternaks, right? Nothing. But the in course, this yeah. case, yeah, nothing. No disrespect, but I saw a lot of people on Twitter that were saying, like, let's vote him in for fun. Like, kind of like a, a John Scott situation, which I think is hilarious. But at the same time, you should also reward the guys that don't get an, as much publicity, That's whether true. it's the Caulfield or the Stutzels. Because Matthews is is always in the limelight. Pasternak, always in the limelight. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's it, I don't know. I, I didn't love it. When I saw that, I was I was completely shocked. Matthews sells tickets. That's, that's, that's what it comes yeah. down to. You're not wrong. That's they have what it Bill is. Daly up on NHL.com just resubmitting his votes just so to make sure that Florida sells tickets. If I'm being honest, if I'm, in, if I'm a Florida fan, I'm not paying to watch Tim Stutzla. I'm right. paying to watch AM34, you know? That's fair. But anyways, any other topics, AJ? 
Yeah, so um, another topic would be Connor Bedard. Obviously, he's the young phenom of the 2023 NHL entry draft. Where do you think is the best landing spot for Connor Bedard, given um, we saw what he done, what he did at the World Juniors? Um, he's a dazzling player. Uh, I, I think I personally think that Connor Bedard um, is a good player. I think he needs a big market. Uh, a lot of people, um, obviously, Chicago is looking into trading Taves and Kane. Don't know if they're going to do so by the trade of trade deadline, but uh, given that the market size that Chicago has, do you think it's an ideal spot for him? Do you believe he should go home to Vancouver? Or do you think given the Habs injuries, um, we should be tanking for Bedard? So what are your thoughts on that? I think Vancouver should be revoked from the NHL lottery, the draft lottery, if I'm being honest. Um, same for the Hawks. Could you imagine after that whole scandal, <clears> they were <throat> given the first overall pick? That would be an absolute mess for the league. A little bit. I, I, that would be something, yeah. If he goes to Columbus, I'd be I'd be more than okay with that it's a small market but like that's that's first of all i have a lot of respect for their general manager i think it's the guy who's like built one team and then had to reconstruct because all of his players left and then if the, if you add Connor bedard to ken johnson cole Sillinger, zach Wierenski on the back end nasty you're a champion. absolutely nasty like, like and they signed good role like they're set i'd rather him there than anaheim i mean really See, I was going to actually disagree with that, though. Do they even film exactly. Anaheim games? Do they, yeah, but are can they even I... on TV? Well, if you don't mind... well here's, a, here's the thing, though, Mark. <laughs> it's that a guy like Connor Bedard is franchise-changing for any, any, any franchise that would be lucky enough to get him. So here's the thing, is that you want him going to a big market, ideally. But can you look at it the other way around and say, well, if he goes to a smaller market, that team becomes mm. somewhat relevant? So mm-hmm. a team like Anaheim that's that's based out of, in California but is, is is in the shadows of of teams like LA and and uh even San Jose at this point yeah. to be completely honest with you mm-hmm. if you get if you yeah. send a Bedard there you have the Bedard the Zegris the McTavish again have said you want to come into Montreal but if if there is one place it w- it would be it would be pretty insane for uh for that franchise in terms of relevancy it's just like I was watching, well, watching. It was on the TV, the Anaheim-Edmonton game. I don't know when it was. The thing wasn't even in HD. <laughs> they had, like, they barely have, they have guys struggling to film these games over there. No one watches yeah. them. They don't get they don't get winter classics. They don't get. But anything. again, but again, you put them. You you yeah, give them give a Bedard. Them, yeah. But if 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 you give it if you give them a Bedard, I guarantee you next year let's let's say Bedard drafts Anaheim number one. And I'm speaking to both of you here. I, you're tr- you're tuning into some Anaheim games. I can promise you that. Unfortunately, yeah, that's for sure. Well, you say unfortunately, but it's it's not an unfortunate thing. Like for the league itself, and we talk about how they have to send their stars because it pays the bill because it pays the bills. But if you send a Bedard to Anaheim, you automatically now you're you're bringing you're bringing a new franchise relevancy. And if you're bringing a new franchise relevancy, then all all of a sudden there's more marketing opportunities. You know, so yeah. it's like it's it's interesting yeah. to look at it from both perspectives, I guess. He can pay the bills in Arizona. That's for sure. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah. What do you guys think about the market in Arizona? You know, they're a young team. They're definitely in a rebuild. They got Logan Cooley. That's probably going to crack the lineup next year. If not, he's going to play another year uh, in NCAA. But uh, yeah, I think Arizona is a good market. It'll definitely help grow the game there if Bedard is drafted. Uh, I know they don't have an NHL size uh, arena at the moment, but I think it would definitely contribute to that moving forward. Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if it's. If it's that's Batman's little, it's like it's it's his kid, for some reason he's yeah. in love with that team. Yeah, and who knows? Like, what if they relocate to Quebec City 
And then Logan, oh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Bedard is going to wear a Nordiques jersey. Oh man! Oh god! I think I would. I think, I think the Nordiques would be my second favorite team automatically. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> One can only dream. That's it. Um, yeah, I don't mind. I, honestly, I like Columbus. If I'm being honest. I like the Blue Jackets. I'm just—I don't know about their coach, though. Maybe that's a—that's the one weakness there. But who knows? Yeah, we'll yeah. see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, any last words, AJ? Before we send you. No, back? man. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I respect the time crunch. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on the pod, yeah, and uh, wish. No problem. No problem. <laughs> uh, what's it called? Just a quick last word before I head out. Uh, Best of luck on the next 50 and many more episodes to come. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Talk to you soon. See See ya. For sure. For sure. Great convo. Great convo. Uh, Let's see here. What do we got next? I'm just waiting on the word from from producer. Yeah. Uh, It looks like we got AJ. AJ Another AJ. Yeah. AJ part two. So add him to the stream here. AJ, hey what's going on? What's going on? Not bad yourselves. You hear us good? Yeah, you hear me? Yeah, we hear you. So um, before we get into this, um, I've been told that AJ's been nervous all morning. Not because of not because of the podcast, but because beloved Cowboys um, are going up against a juggernaut this after, or tonight, actually. Um, Don't give him we, that credit. Don't well, give before, him the juggernaut in, credit. Before we get into hockey talk, AJ, how are you feeling this morning? Is uh, is everything good? Has, have the nerves kicked in? The nerves definitely have kicked in. I'd say since yesterday, since yesterday's oh, yeah? games. Damn. I mean, they bring it up on every broadcast. So yeah, they're always talking about the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a that'll be a fun game. It will be nice six thirty sweat. But I mean, talking about the Cowboys. I know you relate this team to another we, hockey we, team. I do, yeah, I do. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know about anymore, though. I don't think it's comparable anymore. But um, let's talk about last night. <laughs> about that comparable team. Yeah, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto Maple Leafs. What do you have to say, um, AJ, about the Leafs? You know, they came out as the regular season Leafs, um, but. Second period, they start the period with a power play, if I'm if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah. And they have a chance to pretty much put the game away. I mean, you never know with that team, but three nothing, two periods left. Against Laval. It's, it's GG's against Laval. Um but number twenty eight on the Habs <laughs> did an amazing job on the power um, the you PK. afraid to say his name aj like what's going on here devo yeah <laughs> i mean against devo no i mean he's become my favorite player on the team actually. <laughs> and that's someone i think i mean i don't know about you guys but i don't know if you keep him do you move him you keep i know him. he i keep him too i mean as a 3c I like Devo. moving forward. I think that's pretty deep. Um, and I think he's finally um, settled like, in. settled into Montreal. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that first year he looked like miserable. And I don't know he how did. you're miserable after leaving Arizona. Like I could just be saying that could just be like his 
his resting face. It's kind of like Dadnov. You look at him and you go, this guy's playing the sport he loves and he looks pissed off. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? He doesn't speak a lick of English. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's tough. It's tough. It's Those tough. golf tournament clips. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> Guy barely but... forgot that he almost didn't show up. He was late. <laughs> oh, Anyways, man. AJ, like you were saying with Devo? Yeah, I mean, I think he's been key to the PK recently and really taken his game up um, compared to last year, at least. I mean, I think we notice him a lot more. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to know what you guys thought of doing with him come deadline time. I know I'd keep him. Obviously, if you get an outstanding offer, yeah. you, you kind of... I think that's the scenario here. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. But... Yeah. But like a late Talking first rounder, leaves. I don't even know if I do that. Like, I don't know about you, a late first rounder for Dvorak? No. Yeah. I mean, isn't that what we paid for him? Or a yeah, future pick? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, a bit desperation there back then, but after losing oh, KK. Was, yeah. yeah you had no good. choice, right? Is he, yeah. Like, was he worth that? I don't know, but you had no choice and you didn't know that we were going to fall off so hard. Um, exactly. Yeah, no, it was pretty desperate. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, I think another question I have for you guys is where do you see Sheldon Keefe a year from now? Hmm. Interesting. Sheldon Keefe or Kyle Dubas? Or both? Both. Both, honestly. Do you think, do you think they're, uh, they're attached at the hip? I think so. Going into the offseason? I think so. Year, I think yeah. so. You know, you know when they say like, oh, this is like the general manager's team. Like, you know how it took like eight years for it to be Mark Bergevin's team? This yeah, is now Kyle this Lewis's is Dubas's team. team. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And like if yeah, I'm... Yeah, yeah. if Because they don't have one single owner. It's like a bunch of different companies on the league, MLSC and whatever. Like, how do you let not only Dubas run the show here, but Brennan Shanahan? Brennan Shanahan has gone through how many employees now? How many has he just run and through? How, and how many how many plans too? Like Shanna how many Shanna plans? Shanna plans? I think we're at part six, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 think, I don't know. I think I think what's his name? Um Nick Felino was just one part of the, the Shana, like that's Shanna Plan four. I think Nick Felino was Shanna Plan four. <laughs> that's funny. Being honest. And then he's gonna eliminate them in round one with the Bruins. That's Shanna Plan seven. Look, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I I don't know I don't know what the uh, look. To be honest with you, like I, I'm not I'm far from a Leafs hater. Like I I I, I don't uh, I don't see Keith being fired regardless of the outcome this season. I don't. I think that he's an actual good coach, and I think that he coaches the team properly. I think it's tough when you're dealing with players that sometimes their their ego and their you know, like the way they perceive themselves is greater than others do, especially when you're a hockey team in a professional league. But again, like I think Keith has done what he's had to do. And again, it's tough play. It's tough being in a, in a market where you're always, you're always under fire, where you're always going to be criticized for every little move you do. Now Dubis, on the other hand, I think is, is, is a different story, right? The moves that he's made at the deadline, what he's done to build his team, right? Like there's, there's many questionable situations where he brings in his, his Sault Ste. Marie, players and it and calls it a day or he trades for Felino and 
gives up a first round pick. Like, you know, there's so many questionable things. So I think that a lot of the blame could be put towards Dubis in this case, rather than Sheldon Keefe. But that's, that's my opinion. I think Sheldon Keefe's a good coach too. Yeah. I I just, uh, under that regime, I don't understand how you can keep going and you just, you keep stopping at the same first round exit. And you're like, how, how do you accept this management I mean, group? I would, I would tend to lean in the direction that Dubas would be let go first, just because what big changes has he made? Well, none. That's the thing, right? You can I look. Mean, you can look. Yeah, go ahead, sir. If flip flopping goaltenders every off season, I mean, I mean, Jack Campbell was always a backup goalie. He was His never, days in LA. Yeah, he was never an established starter. Hmm. He he had a great team in front of him. I mean, we kind of see that this year too in Edmonton. Um, but who the best goalie Dubas had was McElhaney. If we're being what? dead serious here, okay, he was the most consistent. I don't know for about the least. that. I would, I would, I, you got to, you got you got to go with Freddie. Well, Freddie had Freddy, his ups and downs, yeah. though. Yeah, Freddy but all, overall, downs. overall, they took him for granted, considering what they're dealing with now. In my opinion, at least, they did take him for granted. They did, they did, hundred percent. I thought, I thought the media was way too harsh on Freddie. He, but he again, kept them but, in so many games. But again, see, yeah. that's that's the problem with Toronto and these markets like Montreal, Toronto, right? Like, like let's not ignore the fact that Toronto's third in the league, right? At twenty, and again, again, I know the playoffs are a different beast altogether, but it's hard to, like, like what it, like let's just say they they get to the first round, they play against Boston, which again, tough matchup, right? Like first in the league, I've lost nine games all season, five in regulation, but if they if they somehow. They they had a decent series. They had a pretty good series against Tampa last year. If they build off that and beat Boston, then what? Then this conversation is just thrown out the window, in my opinion. Because I think that all they have to do, which might be considered sad to most, but all they have to do to to ensure job security is get back is get past the first round. So, it's if they're ridiculous. able to do that, it a hundred percent. I agree, it is. But that's what that whole situation that's is. What it's it come is down ridiculous, to, yeah. but. It's a huge step for that franchise. Yeah. It, it, you know what? It's Look, sad. It's, it's it's not comparable to I I, I don't know situation. why I can't uh I, I there's there's something about me that like look, obviously when it comes down to the Toronto versus Montreal rivalry in game, whether it's playoffs or non-playoff hockey, I'm like you know there's there's this rivalry. It's like you hate the Leafs, you hate the Leafs, you hate the Leafs. But there's something there's something like for some reason that it's like Part of me just wants to see them get past the first round and just call it a day. But I know there's a lot of people that will disagree with me on that. But it's just like, I don't know. I feel like they're too good to not not get there. But... Well, it's not the organization that I have an issue with. No, media. no, I know. It's the media. Right. It's not, it's not normal how this this team's been gassed up. Every year they have the third best odds to win the cup. How is that possible if you can't make it past <laughs> the first round? Great question. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd rather put my money in sewer. Hey, might as well take how, like a, how do you like have a long best shot odds? bet. Yeah. yeah, right. That's fair. Speaking about the harsh media in Toronto and Montreal, what do you guys think about the kind of major reactions yesterday with the Caulfield injury news, everyone complaining about the transparency with the medical staff within our organization? Like about that they weren't transparent? Yeah, or that 
why is everyone always getting hurt? I know, I know my opinion on it, but well, there's injuries I, all curious. around the league that are like the Tanner Pearson one's horrendous. Like the fact that he has three hand surgeries is ridiculous. Um, but look, after what Pat Brisson said, like Cole should have been taken out a while ago. Why are you making him play in a season that doesn't matter? Is a oh, bit see, that's what I don't understand ridiculous. either. Right? That, that I don't understand. Unless he was being reluctant, but at the same time, you got to. It comes down to the team. It's like, listen, you're up for a contract next season. You don't want to bust shoulder. And yeah, and now also the fact that he's not going to hit a certain amount of goals or whatever, or reach his highest goal mark of his career, will it affect his? contract it's probably not because you could just project what he's going to do yeah you know what i you know you know what i'm more worried about if anything no oh nine goals for a season yeah i agree but nine million oh nine million i was like nine goals for a season i'll take that any day but yeah i i agree you know it's it's tough considering that you know it's is is it his right or his left it's it's his right right yeah it's It's right. right so so he's a he's a right shot it's not it's Look, Josh Anderson had the same thing on his left, and again, far from the same player at all. But all, all I'm saying is that it's it's not an easy it's not an easy surgery to recover to recover from, especially when you're when you're a pure shooter, a pure goal scorer. Now, the one thing that I that I heard circulating, and that I guess you could say is to his advantage, is that he's not a shooter that shoots with his body weight. It's more it's in the flick of the wrist. So I guess you can say like it's it's less it's less upper body and more kind of like his his actual arms which is well again that's massive speculation but maybe like it, it's tough to see now because now it, you're it begs a question well two to three month timeline to get back on the ice and get get practicing again and you know what it, what if he comes back and he's not the same player what if he doesn't what if he doesn't score seven goals in 10 games next year or five goals in 10 games next year is the media gonna you know blow a gasket like it's it's tough again like back to your point aj about about media i mean I think it's kind of being blown out of proportion, to be fair. I think everyone, for some reason, gets very um, butthurt when they find out about our star players' injuries. or They always have criticism on how they're handled. But, like, medicine is complicated. You can't say, oh, this guy's going to be fine on this day timetable wise it it just doesn't make sense and like and i have faith in our new regime that they're tackling these so so called issues and i mean kent hughes in his presser he he mentioned how they had an abnormal amount of back injuries um in the past year and it was like top of the league and how they're addressing that and I think that's a positive, a positive thing going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like how they're how they're managing and learning that through this this new regime. Like, if we're talking about Slavkovsky's situation, I know you guys um, talked about it earlier, but I wouldn't have sent him down to Laval. I wouldn't. I agree with not sending him to the World Juniors simply because. Like I think Mark said, what if he didn't perform? And I, I think he, he, he obviously can. He, he could have tore it up in the World Juniors. Laval, who knows? Um, but it could hurt his confidence more. And 
I saw great things from him in the NHL. Stat sheet aside, it's it's about the little things. And Kent Hughes said you can't ask so much of him in in, mm-hmm. in such an early time frame. Yeah, right. we got to use the eye test like a lot on him. Yeah, especially exactly. as it happened to a smaller race. But uh, I, 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 I think, think time will key. tell. Yeah, time will tell. But anyways. Uh, we're running out of time here for you, AJ. Um, we thank you so much for joining. It was your first time. We're, we're happy to have you back whenever thank you, you want. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no Thanks worries. A it was a fun talk. Good topics. Medicine. Yeah. Good topics. <laughs> it's the first time we talked about that on the podcast. We need a, so, we need uh, a medical professional on, on next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Anyways, uh, thanks again, AJ. It was fun. Thank, thank you, guys. Have a Go good Cowboys. One. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, um, wow, reaching the 45 minute mark already. Um, now we're gonna add in two guys at once, so uh, we'll see how this goes. Maybe we just <laughs> a bunch, we're just talking all over the place. We'll see how it goes. We got Josh and Matt um, to the stream now. I, I know, or I've been told. Well, look at this. Um, I've been told that um, they're preparing a lot of stats and stuff, so I can't wait to hear the numbers on this here. What's you're up, on. You're on, yeah, Josh is on mute. You guys Josh hear me? Yeah, we hear you. Yeah, we hear you. Josh, Josh, Josh doesn't have, uh, Josh doesn't have uh, AJ's Sony four thousand dollars headset. <laughs> there you no. go. <laughs> Shout out AJ. Josh needs a sponsorship. Hey, eh? we'll, we'll we'll try to yeah. get a sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> like he's, he's struggling. He's still. You guys hear me now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there we yeah. go. All right. Welcome to the pod. What's up, boys? What's going on? What's up? Yeah, let's, not... let's hear it. Let's hear yes, it. What so, are you guys going to talk about? I'll start. I did piggyback off that last guy. I know you guys were talking Leafs and stuff. I know me and Matt have spoken about it before. Do you guys think Dubis is a horrible GM? No. No? No. No. I don't. No. I, I think horrible is... is Maybe is not like, horrible, but I don't but find him. I do think he's made some moves that you can, you know, you, you go back on and you're like, well, why? why? Yeah. Like, what? what like, is it, where, like, you know, like... Giving yeah. up first round picks the deadline. You can even look at it if you want to compare it to the Habs. The Bergevin bought, brought in Perry, Stahl, Edmonton, Allen. They all have cups. All the guys the Leafs brought in don't have one cup. Right. That's that's a good point. There's no experience. I think Dubis right? has been pressured exactly. by media. I think that's what the biggest issue is. Like there's yeah. been pressure moves. Like dating back to John Tavares. That's a pressure move. Yeah, the like that one they pretty much your team. Yeah, like they pretty much got rid of Kadri and could have maybe even had another contract with that to sign Tavares. Tavares is a great player, but Kadri would have helped them a lot also, I feel like, because they could have some Kadri and someone else even. Problem is also, what more can you do with a team like that? You know That's what I mean? It, it, it's so hard because they're not, they're not a crazy deep team, but they have a solid top nine. They, have, they brought in Simmons for, let's say, a third, fourth line role, which is he's perfect to have on your third and fourth line. It's tough to... Like, how much can you move around? If you're going to move around, you have to make a huge move, you know? Right. I think you, can't, goalie, you can't just... Uh, yeah, go ahead. I, say, I think the goalie situation hasn't helped them either. It's just the revolving door there, pretty much. You're bringing in guys like Murray, who's been okay, he's been good, but you bringing him in was a huge risk. Right. Yeah, well, look, to be honest, Mark and I talk about this all the time, and in our opinion, it dates back to the Tavares signing, right? Now, because of the lack of money within their system and the fact that they have four guys that account for 50% of their cap, now they're forced to hand out these tryouts and these $1 million deals. Well, you sign, you, 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 
you know, you have bunting at $1 million right now. What happens when it's contract year and he's, and he wants four and a half million dollars. You try to kind of, you know, it is contract. Exactly. So it's just so tough when you don't have the money and you have to bank on these lower level third and fourth line guys to perform when in turn, how can you expect much from those guys? That's where prospects also come in though. So that if you mm-hmm. don't have prospects in the pipeline making league minimum guys, like, I mean, it's hard to, but guys like Cole, guys like, uh, you know, color like new hook who Colorado had, if you don't have guys like that, that are coming up that are making league minimum, then, you know, you're kind of screwed in the end because you, you have an elite team, but you need guys that can chip in offensively in the third and fourth line guys like Lekin and also that in that cup run. Well, that's it, right? Lekin and Lekin and yeah. we, we trade Lekin and he goes and gets a, gets a nice deal from Colorado, yeah. but that's, that's a deal that the Leafs wouldn't be, ever be able to afford as a third yeah. line, but would be a perfect player for a team like that. Even a guy so like Hyman that they got rid of. Well, that's it too. Yeah. Right? yeah. But the league is a really good point though, because they missed yeah. out on their window when Marner and Matthews were all making league. Correct. Men. Like they were good hockey players. They weren't just like, trying to make the team they were they were stars at that point and well, they just it. missed out on a huge opportunity there yeah, yeah i know bad. me and matt were talking about before i guess we'll move to the habs now what do you guys think of dak i know me and matt think he's amazing he's a, yeah. like i think he has a skill yeah. set that is very 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 unique i i'm I, I can let mark take this one but i think i think he's unbelievable i still can't believe the hawks gave up on a 21 year old like that like it's ridiculous it's actually ridiculous like I was scared of his skating before the season started, and you watch him. He's a good skater. Even, he's a great skater. He's a very good yep. skater, mm-hmm. and he plays the body. He's good. Like he's just he's an all around stud. Six he's four, good. almost two hundred pounds, and he skates like that and has his and head has up confidence. all the time. Well, that's the thing, right? He plays with confidence. And you know what? The, the one thing that we've talked about before, but I want to hear what you guys have to say about this, is that what he does with the puck on the boards in tight, especially at his size, is so is so impressive. Because usually, you know, like. A guy like Slav, who's like, he'll, he'll figure it out, but he's a little bit awkward in those situations where he can't make the tight turns. He can't protect the puck in tight. But Dak at 6'4", 200 is able to do that with ease. And that's, that's, that's a skill that you don't find on, that you know, that you pick up off the street. Yeah, it's very, very skilled. I think that, I think that people were saying that he's, he could be a 1C over Suzuki. Obviously, I don't see that. I don't see that yet. Especially, I mean, he, listen, he's also two years younger. He still has time to grow. I don't see that at all. But I think he's a perfect 2C moving forward. Perfect. I agree. Yeah. I think even, like, like you're talking about along the boards, he's a big boy. Like, no one can get the puck off him. Like, he, even Gudis, when he sat him down last week and then stared over him, not many people can do that. I know Suzuki did it before in that game. But he's a guy, and I think even he should be the one carrying the puck in on the power play. His zone entries are, I think, right now better than Suzuki's. Speaking he, of that, I... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that. he. I think he's an underrated play driver. Like... Like, I don't think he gets enough credit for actually having the puck on his stick and making things happen, you know? Like, he'll carry it out of the zone, and he'll beat one guy, and then he has just to make a move at the blue line or move it out, and he gets in most of the time, I would say. I don't know the stat on it, but it's got to be his zone entry. has got to be the top of the team. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, speaking of that, with Suzuki's zone entries, it's like, it's, it's getting scary. I don't know. It's like... Get, on the power that, play, especially. Yeah, the, the power... Just I'm, That's what I mean, the power play. Like, that drop pass... It works because, I mean, listen, teams have said that it works because it's a high percentage play. You come at, you're coming in with momentum. But at the same time, it's just maybe we need a new guy. He's, it's, he's a great player, but his zone entry is just, I don't know if he's that guy. Even, because, even on the power play, like an op, you have to have different options. Right now, the whole yeah. league knows it's going to be Suzuki trying to carry it in. Even with Cole gone now, you got to have different guys who can carry it in. So if they see Suzuki carrying it. Maybe they don't know they can go to Dak. Dak can carry. You got to change it around. The power play yeah. is very predictable. 
And especially when you don't have a defenseman mm-hmm. per se that has the skating ability to bring it across the line because a lot of the times the drop pass will go to a forward. But sometimes if the, if the drop pass isn't open, the, the, the defenseman, whether it's the McCarr, the Fox, will take it in themselves. But we're rotating Matheson and then Jackye slash Barron on the other unit. Like, that's not... Mm-hmm. I, again, we're a team that, that will figure it out in the coming years. But as of now, that's just not... I mean, I don't think the guy on the team yet that's going to be able to do that is here yet. I think our best bet, I like Barron as a puck mover, but I think the guy who's going to be on the power play for a long time is Lane Hudson. Yeah, that's what we were talking about before. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Even a guy like um, that hurt the team, even though he's a ghoulie, him going out, I think, destroyed the defense. That's true also. A lot of people didn't like the pick. And I, I don't even, I didn't think I was the biggest fan of the pick at the time. Yeah, but now he's, he's might be our best defenseman already. Yeah, I agree. Do you guys? Uh, also, do you guys follow- for sorry, yeah, sorry for puck moving. Before I move on from the topic, Logan Mayu. Oh, he could possibly call. be that guy. He could possibly yeah, be yeah. that guy. He gets so dunked on on Twitter all the speaking time. Speaking of he's a good year. Speaking <laughs> of Logan Mayu, didn't Bettman come out and say because of that whole scandal with um, who was it? What was his name? He was bullying the. Um, yeah, the Arizona. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Bettman came out and said, he said, just like him, Mayu doesn't have exemption to come into the NHL yet. He has to get approved, So, which is now it's a whole different story. But ideally, he'd be great also. Right. Yeah. No, he's definitely. And look, you, you look at his college stats. He's a uh, college stats. Sorry. He's playing in the OHL. He's yeah. he's literally point per game as a defenseman. Literally point yeah. per game as a defenseman. And he missed so. a year of hockey. Yeah, that's true. true. He missed a whole year. Yeah. So, He's going to need a bit more time, I guess. But again, we're not in a rush to have a come over yet. Yeah. Um, switching topics, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Bruce Boudreaux was fired this morning. Big shock. I mean, he yeah. honestly was fired a week ago. Yeah. As an organization, how do you let one of your employees cry behind the bench? I think, I think the Canucks are a poverty franchise after doing that. You can't <laughs> do that. Jim in the Hall of Fame and he let that happen. Yeah, you can't you can't let that happen. I mean, he gave everything. He was maybe not the best coach at times, but you can't do that. Keep it within the organization if you know you're interviewing people, but don't let the whole media know about it. Then it's yeah. just awkward. And he was a professional about it. He showed up every day, still worked. And you know what my question is here is that I, I see a lot of people, you know, giving a hard time to a guy like Elliot Friedman who broke the news. But in my opinion, who was the one within the organization that actually relayed that information? Like, that's just ridiculous. You know, because I mean, now you give it to Elliot Friedman, it's blowing up. Like it blows it's easy up. to assume, also. If yeah, you're Elliot absolutely. Friedman, it's easy, it's easy to assume, but it's just, it's it's a tough look. It really is. It's it's really really bad. And and honestly, does that coaching change do anything for Vancouver? Rest of, like no. like like what like no. again? And and in my opinion, and he, and this is what I want to say because you look at a guy like Marte Saint Louis who's coming in as the Montreal Canadiens coach with very little experience as a head coach but he's he's going through a learning curve and he's figuring it out so you just went from a guy like bruce boudreau who has a track record to a guy like rick talkett that also has a track record but a, a, a track record in the exact same league who's been fired for similar reasons so now you're you're getting a recycled coach that's going to do what exactly so and my my question to you is like is there anything that you guys would have done differently like is there are there any guys that you would you rather bring in a guy like saint louis who doesn't really have the track record I mean- but can figure it out you know I, I think the coaching carousel thing, like even the Habs used to, they just used to hire a reti- uh, coach that kept getting fired, fired, fired. I think it, like that's what they did with St. Louis. You got to bring in some new blood at some point. Like doesn't Boudreaux have a better winning record, like win percentage than Talkett does? Boudreaux has a cup. 
Yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty sure he's like a, on his career in like a thousand whatever games, he has like a 600. Yeah. yeah uh, like what, the team is horrible. The team's horrible. They have a, I think they have a locker room problem more than a coaching problem. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I saw his coaching record yesterday because I was watching the Vancouver game. I saw Boudreaux's coaching record yesterday with Vancouver. It was like 15 39. It's not like it was atrocious. You know, it's not a losing record. So I listen, clearly it wasn't working there, but at the same time, he wasn't, he wasn't atrocious as, you know, fans are making it out to be. And I'm going to take a, uh, I'm going to, I'm, this might be a little bit bold, but I think that it's easy to say now, but I think at the time where Vancouver screwed up, <clears throat> was giving JT Miller that contract and now having to deal with Bo Horvat being gone by the deadline, basically, because yeah, otherwise, lose, you know, you lose, you lose that leadership. Like Horvat. Yeah. You lose a guy like Horvat, then he's your leader in the team. He's the one guy, like, from what I've seen on just Twitter and stuff, he's the guy who keeps the room, like, he's the glue to the room. You lose him, then what happens? You have Miller, you still have Pedersen, Hughes, you still have Kuzmenko, who, who knows what's going to happen with him. But... I don't know. I think they're trending in the very. Can they afford to sign him? I think. I don't know. I mean, they're getting Horvat off the books, but they have thirteen million dollars in OEL and Tyler Myers. OEL's locked in until twenty twenty seven. And he's and and OEL was a healthy scratch a couple nights or like last week. Yeah, Tyler Myers for twenty twenty four. Vancouver, it was already tough. Think think that they're better off like just doing like a full rebuild. Getting rid of everyone. Well, they should have when hard. Miller was up for up for debate. That should have been okay. if we're trading Miller, you're rebuilding, you trade everyone. But now they signed them, so it's like, well, why did you sign him? You know. But see, mm-hmm. that is where they made like, and again, I want to hear what you guys have to say. But it's like you have Pedersen, twenty four, Besser, twenty five, uh, Bose, twenty seven, but he's gone now. Like your team is relatively young, and that contract and and the OEL and the Tyler Myers contract are holding them back so much from being a great hockey team. Yeah. It's, I, uh, I think they originally got them as guys that would fit perfectly into, you know, a cup winning team for a run for one to two years. And then, I mean, it has a lot to do with Besser also, who's not really stepping up to the plate as he used to. But I, I mean, think I they, yeah, they're in a bit of a state of shock. They're in like a, a middle ground that they can't get out of. I even think Hughes and Gordon can kind of look at this and be like, hey, we can't do this. Because I feel like they also kind of rushed it a little bit, trying to like Hughes? speed up. Like, I'm saying, no, I'm saying the Habs should look at it, like, not do what they were doing. Like, I think they sped up. They kind of rebuild or retool a bit too quickly to try and get there. Like, the Habs, like, I don't think they should go make a big splash at the, like, at the uh, free agency this year, for example. Like, you still have time. Let the young guys grow. Like, you saw Barron got sent down, came back up. Now he's looking very good. I don't know if you guys agree with that. But mm-hmm. I think he's looked very good. For, yeah. He's been playing with Edmondson, I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Nice. I and think... I think yeah. that especially with the Habs, you have to they they you you need some older veterans. You can't have you can't have loose cannons kind of like um I don't know what's an example like uh you can't have the kids running the show, for example. You can't have you need you need guys like Anderson, you need guys like Eddie, which I, I agree that we're probably gonna trade him anyways, but you need guys like that to kind of control the room a bit. Even though Suzuki's, you know, mature for his age, you need guys that kind of you know, can kind of guide the young players and even guide Suzuki, who's still a first-year captain. Well, that's why I think it's so important to attribute value to when you get to the trade deadline and you're saying, well, who should go? Well, again, we talk about it's easy. It's easy to say we want a fire sale, but you you, you fire sale and then you, like you said, you have the kids running the show and you don't have that that uh, leadership in the locker room that, you, that holds the team down. So, yeah. and I think that's what happened in Vancouver. Like you, the average age has got to be 
I'm I'm looking at it now. They don't have a they don't have a forward over the age of 28. Like they yeah. have to have a forward core that's probably in the average age of 24, 25. Like that's young. So, yeah. what do you guys think of? I think one guy that Habs very much miss is Corey Perry in the room. Oh Even yeah. Though, yeah, yeah. Like I I w- I saw someone say on Twitter if if uh, Tampa wins the cup this year, his contract's coming up. Would you guys bring him back? If it, again, obviously, obviously. he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna. If they have Maroon on their roster, I'm sure they're okay with bringing Perry back. You know, like yeah. a, a a one a one year or a two year again at for um, no, a million years. The Habs should bring him back. Oh, the Habs should bring him back. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yeah. Why not? It's cheap. It's cheap. And look, you're gonna lose Drew and free. Uh, the, like assuming he makes it to he's free gone. agency this he's year. Without, yeah, he's gone. Yeah, he's he's gone. done. He's gone. And then you're going to yeah, trade yeah. a few contracts here and there. Like, there's going to be some money, and you might as well bring in a guy like that for well, think, leadership purposes. I think we're projected to have the Habs like almost 30 million in cap before, obviously, the Caulfield signing, just with the guys right. going out. Like, you have Dadanoff coming off the books, you have Drewin coming off the books, Hoffman off next year at the end of and, next uh, year. He's done. And Monaghan as well, if I'm not mistaken, Mon- unless yeah. they decide to re sign him. But that's a question yeah. for a later. I think, you ha- I think he's him and Edmonton are going to be the two guys to go, I feel like. Yep. Again, it will be interesting to see how many games he gets in before the trade deadline, yeah. considering the injury. But yeah. he's played well to date. So, like Savard yeah. is not movable. The only thing he's good at is that one move at the blue line. That one and little block. toe drag. Yeah. <laughs> the little. Yeah, it's the little. Patton. It's actually Patton that moves. Like, you, no <laughs> one else can use it. The blue line. All over yeah, Twitter. Like it's not normal. <laughs> Why is he good at it? And then you have. Uh, and no one can and stop it. How so many like, shots too? It's like in this slow motion. Shots. You see, last night there was like one shift. Yeah. This, this guy blocked four shots. So I was like, what the? Yeah, that guy's a beast. Yeah. I mean, I know you like him. What about Dubois? Dubois? Mm. Oh, yeah, I like Dubois. Interesting. I, would you trade? So would you? I saw there was a lot on after Tony and like Eric Engel spoke about it. Would you? Would you trade for him next year or wait it out and risk not getting him? I, I wouldn't give up assets for him. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I agree. For a guy because who's publicly said, I would like to one day play here. I would never give yeah. up assets. I think it also yeah. depends on who we get in the draft. That's a huge sure. factor. If we, if we, if we drop to let's say. Six yeah. seven and get it, and we can only pick up, let's say, the best defense available or the best winger available. Maybe that's a better scenario to get him. But right. if we end up getting top three, we can get Fantilli or Bedard, which would be huge. And I don't, I mean, obviously, he's still a great addition. You can get him as as, as a winger, even put Bedard as a winger. Mm-hmm. That's but, true too. Yeah, yeah there's a. I think Carlson. I think Leo Carlson. Yeah, yeah Leo Carlson. Right. Winger, yeah. yeah. I think Maybe regardless, I think that. I think you're, but I think you're, I think the Montreal Canadiens, and I, and I say this from a non biased standpoint, I think the Montreal Canadiens are two years out from having a very, very solid top six. Because if yeah. you look at a guy like Dubois, you look at the draft this year, you look at the potential development for the younger guys and where they'll be in two years from now, like you're looking, you're looking guy, good. Even a guy no one talks about is Sean Farrell. He's yeah, been, oh boy, he's yeah. Yeah. it up at Harvard this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how the Hobie timeline Baker. is with him. I don't know what the timeline with him, but he's going to be good, hopefully. You know what? It's probably better to just let him. Figure it out in, in college and keep dominating, right? And yeah, I think our biggest him. problem is going to be goaltending. Yeah, I, I think th- I think so too. I think that's a massive. Uh... Like, do you like, really Montembeau think Montembeau is playing. the future? Like, I know Kent no, said it. I think it. he could be like. Oh, I, think he could be like a 1B. I think he could be like a one B, maybe like a backup. I don't think he can ever be the guy. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. I think I think a career backup is great, and I think that if he has to come in for relief for a guy that gets injured, aka in this case, Allen, like he he'll it. figure it out and he'll face shots. But you, if there's no way this guy can play thirty to forty games a season, there's no way. Mm-hmm. No. In my opinion, I guess he's already played like twenty, almost almost twenty games, but still, he's I, been I, like I seven think. straight now. Yeah, but when there's no pressure, I want to see. Yeah, yeah. There's no, yeah. It's not matter. You know what I mean? But Sean Sean Farrell, just back on that topic, twenty nine points in nineteen games, like. He's at the, again, again, the uh, well, 
I don't know what the ECAC is, but I'm assuming that's just a part it's like, like a, it's all division one. Yeah, it's like a subdivision of yeah, the, right. of the top yeah, uh, of the, the Right, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, it's impressive. We he have played a lot the of, Olympics uh, guys too, uh, Sean. Yeah. And he had six points in four games. Yeah. Yeah, and he's yeah. very, like, low. He's very, like, low-key. Like, no one talks about him as much as our other prospects, like Hudson, Mayu. No one really talks about him. I think it's because he hasn't shown up to training camp yet. Yeah. I think that's the reason why. That makes Hopefully, he's not allowed. And uh, one more question for you guys. What do you guys think of uh, Yessi Alonen? Like, do you think he cracks the lineup next year? I think he should have made it this year. That's fair. Yeah. I he think he, he he looked great in Laval also, but I think I think he's great. I think he'll be a nice if he's a perfect third liner. He's a perfect third line scoring winger. You can chip in some offense, kind of like a Lekkinen. Very similar, like in my eyes. If he, right. he has he has the vision. Up. You've seen on the passes yeah. he's made since he's been up. He has the vision. He his skating can get better. He has the shot to be on the second power play. I feel like right. He's got Caulfield's in just on the you second know, unit. And you know what's great about him is the fact that the the Habs in both regimes have been very patient with him, and hopefully that once he does get his actual shot, he he can do some damage. Yeah, but the Habs bottom six in the future also it's also looking good. Like if you add yeah. Tuck, Owen Beck, Kapanen, Beck, yeah. and then yeah. Mishak even like yeah, that's like you're looking good. In the and Mashar, I don't know if you said him. Like, and you Mishar, have a lot yeah. of guys. Mishar, yeah, you have a I lot think of. Mishar I think has a gonna, higher ceiling. Yeah, I think yeah. they I think they're gonna have to move. Like one or two of their forward prospects kidney, at some point. Kidney, 100%. has to be kidney. Uh, yeah. True. To be. They're going to have to move someone to try and bring in a goalie or a D or something. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. It's very interesting. Yeah. Anyways, boys, um, we'll wrap it up on this. No, it was really fun. Thanks for joining. It's a lot of fun. No Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. A lot of fun. Shout out to the producer, by the way. Very nice guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, good yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. don't, we don't mention him around here. He just uh, he likes, he <laughs> yeah, likes to go on his own. So. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. It was fun. All right, boys. Take yeah, it boy. easy. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. Bye. All right. That was fun. Yeah. Shout out to producer. We don't give him enough love. I know. He's been so good recently. Uh, he's smiling. He's, he's okay. Don't do I don't see. He's in your room? No, I have him. <laughs> I'm on FaceTime. I think, oh, I, let him, right. I think I let him stay here. Are you crazy? You <laughs> <laughs> guys are free. Hey, rent. <laughs> Anyways, we have our last but not least. We have to bring him back. The fans have been wanting him. I've been seeing it all over the place. Director of Amateur Scouting for Habs Culture, Ryland Baum. And Ryland, thank He's you so much. He's got the camera on this time. We love it. He's got the camera on. He's joined. You're I've muted. All over. This guy is the most active Twitter follower I have. Really? He's all over the place. Yeah. I don't I, I don't see I don't see his tweets and I follow him. I see him. What's I see him tweeting that? at random people. I see him putting I don't even know how Ryland, when you tweet the power play lines, how do you put the names on top of each other? Like, uh, just like I don't know. You just like restart like in space and then like put the guy in the middle and then I want you to know oh. that I just followed you as of right now and I put on your notifications. So I'm of officially subscribed. You gotta get updates on the Habs prospects. Yeah. Uh, I need to I need to see this. All right, cool. So, what Anyways, do you have for us today? Yeah, let's hear it. Like, um, what's uh, yeah, just let you. I mean, a lot of things. Like, I mean, I don't know how much you guys are are following up with uh, a lot of our major prospects, but if you have any questions for me? I can answer a lot of those about the draft class coming up. I know it's really exciting with you know mm-hmm. how much it's been talked about. So, okay, before right. we get into I don't the draft class, I'll let you the bus a little bit, and then uh, I'll expand on whatever you guys want to want to ask yeah. me. Before we get into draft class, I'm gonna start right away. Eric Portillo. The Michigan Wolverines. Eric Portillo. Yeah. What about him? He doesn't want to sign in Buffalo because he's clearly okay. the third man. 
over there. That's is he fair. legit? Is, uh, is he legit if the Canadians ever want to go sign him to an ALC? Or do you say you, you know, know there's what? another Buffalo goalie one. prospect? There's another Buffalo goalie prospect that uh how I many do they have? have? Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's another Buffalo goalie prospect, local guy that I hope the Habs uh, somehow make a run for. Uh, a man who but, has joined uh, our podcast before, of course, yeah, yeah, friend of the true. podcast, yeah. Um, Eric Potio, he's I'm not like a massive goalie guy. Um, well, I do know he's massive. He's he's giant. He's like <laughs> yeah. six five, six six. He's put up solid numbers with Michigan, um, albeit it's on a stacked team. So That's the thing, like, right? He's, you know, some college goalie prospects. You, you look at guys like Caden Primo, Charlie Lindgren. Like, it's a very. Di- it's still obviously it's it's better than juniors, so it's a little bit more projectable. Like obviously the the defense in front of him is a lot better than what you'd be getting in, in the QMJHL yeah. and trying to trying to evaluate someone that way. But yeah, it's a bit harder. He's a big guy, um, and there's pros and cons with that. Obviously, some of those guys take a long time. Like if you look at Sebastian Cosa, he's he's struggling pretty hard right now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you look at Portillo's numbers everywhere he's been throughout, you know, he played obviously growing up in Sweden. All there, he. In the J20, J18, he had very, very, very solid numbers. Came to the USHL, had no problem adapting to North American ice. Uh, it's obviously probably a bit easier for goalies, but still, I mean, you play goalie, so <laughs> you yeah. a bit better than I do. Yeah. Um, and then once he got to Michigan, still putting up very solid numbers. This year, he's having a bit of a weaker one numbers-wise. Uh, Michigan's dealt with a lot of injuries, and so a lot of turnover in front of him. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's definitely... a I'd say a top 10 goalie prospect affiliated with the NHL right now. But, okay. um, yeah, I mean, he'd be the best goalie in the Habs system. So I, if he wants to come to the Habs, yeah, it works. Right. Yeah, well, I've seen a, I've seen a couple things now talking about, like, look, like there's te- these teams that have no problem drafting goalies, whether it's in the first round or whether it's in the back later rounds, and they have no problem taking flyers on them. But at one point, some of these goalies end up developing properly, and they end up actually having some competition. And then these goalies want out. So... So I've seen I've seen speculation about Devin uh, Devin Levy or Devin Levi being signing with Montreal. I've seen speculation about Eric Portillo. So it's interesting to see that like you can you can essentially get these guys for free when there was actually some draft capital used on them, right? Like it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the Habs. Uh, I think the weakest, if not right-handed defenseman, they're definitely their weakest uh, uh, point in the prospect pool and on the normal roster is uh, mm. is goaltending. I mean, Montembeau, like you guys were talking about earlier. He's a local guy. You could probably get him for cheap. It'd be a great backup option for a while because he's only 25. I mean, goalies always last a long time, and he's you know he's still young too. So yeah, I mean, you never know. Like we have some other guys. Like uh, I don't know if you know who Frederick De Chow is. He's over playing uh, for Ferlunda in Sweden, one of the yeah. best clubs out there. And he's um, he's a backup right now, but playing behind like one of the best European like veteran goalies, kind of. And he's doing a very solid job there. I mean, if you look at his past numbers, playing in the Allsvenskan, which is like the A, the second division in Sweden. Mm-hmm. He's played well there. And then you look at Jakob Dobish, um, another Habs goalie prospect playing for Ohio State right now. He absolutely carries them. If you go mm-hmm. look at, like, I mean, college is a bit different. It's a lot more kind of like veteran, important league. Like the teams with a lot of like stacked NHL prospects won't always be the best. But I mean, Ohio State is just like nowhere near in terms of talent. If you look at like teams like Michigan, Minnesota and all those, but like, He's carrying his teams to victories. Last season, like nine thirty save percentage. This season, he's putting up nine twenty. Good record. 
So right. that's my um, I Yeah, go ahead, Mark. It's so weird that we're talking about goalies in Montreal. Like, it's the first yeah, time in my life so, that we have to talk sad, about goalies. It's, it's just it's weird to sad. think about this. Yeah. Anyways. I wanted to ask a question, and it's more it's more pertaining to an actual draft prospect coming up in this year's draft. At, yeah. at the moment, projected mid-first round. Look, we'll talk about the big names after, but I just wanted to get this out of the way. Montreal's very weak at right right shot, D. And... I and I've uh, I've heard a lot about Axel Sandin Polika, or I don't know yeah. if I'm saying that properly. Yeah, um, yeah. But 5'11", 180, um, plays the right side. He ha- he plays. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he plays in Sweden, or is yeah. is that? Yeah, yeah. And, and he's been and he's been doing pretty well. Um, I think I think was point per game or something, and at some point during the season. Um, is there anything that you have on him? Like any? Are you a fan of his? Do you think that that could be a position of need for Montreal, especially with the second first overall? Uh, first overall second first round pick we have in the draft and uh or is there some someone else in that in that range that you're that you're looking towards yeah i think you know when you're looking at montreal a lot of people will like and even just other teams in general they always jump at that option to find the right hand defenseman it's no like no secret about it. it's the hardest position to find in the nhl mm-hmm. um and they're just like if you go to the deadline oh my team all we need left to become a cup contender is a first pairing right hand defenseman that's uh right. it's you're, gonna, thing to you're find gonna pay you're gonna pay oh, yeah you're gonna have to pay for it so yeah, Axel Sandin Pelika, he's no not small, five eleven. I mean, there's but tons of good five eleven defensemen in the NHL. But um, he's an elite, elite skater. That's his best asset is his skating, his mobility, his forward mobility. Um, he's creative in the offensive zone, and he defensively he's not not no slouch. I mean, he's good at defending the rush. He's good stick work. He's not the greatest in zone defender, but you said a lot with five eleven defensemen. I mean, clearing the net. It's just a physical thing. I mean, just how it is. But you get him a, a better partner to help him out. He's smart. I mean, and like a lot of you know, kind of a stereotypical smaller Scandinavian defenseman, <laughs> very good skaters. Like I said, um, with this draft, and I think I've I've been clear about it with whoever I've talked to is like, it's you draft a forward unless the defenseman is the best guy on the board. Where with Sandy Pelica, I think he will get taken higher than he should go. I mean, it's not like it's going to be a crazy reach because I think I would take him in around the 15 range, give or take. But I just think there's too much upside with forwards that I've ranked above him where it's like, if the Habs can get him at 15, great. You get a probable second-pairing defenseman with a lot of dynamic offensive upside. But I just... Don't think any defenseman in this draft, at least right now, show to have that top pairing up defensive upside, which is pretty much what the Habs need. I mean, we have a bunch of guys who show that they can be middle pairing guys like Barron, Hudson, Gooley, Harris. Um, I mean, less so on the right side, Mayu, but you know, we've got a bunch of guys who can play second, third pairing. And if the Habs are really gonna go out and just draft another guy that can do that, you're just creating a logjam, which I mean it's never bad to have too many good players who can always trade them, but I think if you want to reach for Sandy Pelica? I just don't think it's the move. A great yeah. player, but there's just a lot, a lot of offensive talent, high end offensive talent in the top fifteen. Where Abs have struggled to score goals for thirty years. I just don't think now is the time to reach for a defenseman when we're just beginning our rebuild. Right, that's fair. Can we officially set Norlander as an AHL uh, player? Yeah, I mean, <sighs> development isn't linear with. The, yeah, unfortunately, I mean it's not super unfortunate because we're stacked at the left side and exactly, no one just yeah. an afterthought at this point. Like, I mean, you've got 
Gooley, Hudson, Harris, Jackai already, mm-hmm. you know, at, at least Jackai, Gooley, Harris making their marks as NHL defensemen. Um, and then Hudson, I'm I'm in love with Hudson's game. Yeah, like if you're a Habs fan and you've never seen him play, I urge you to just not even watch a full game, just watch his highlights. Even a full game, like even if this guy's not scoring, he's making stuff happen when he has a puck every time he has it. And this is like, there's nobody that plays like him. Um, the way he uses his head fakes to to stun defenders and just absolute animal when he has the puck. Yeah. He's just he's all over the place. It's it's really like it's. Imp- I'm in awe watching him play. Like I can't stress it enough how much Habs fans are going to be. It's refreshing when when we'll see Hudson in a Habs jersey, and we will see him in a Habs jersey sooner rather than later because he's putting up historic numbers in the NCAA right now. Um, yeah, he's he's crazy, and yeah, so Norlander is kind of struggling. I mean, even William Trudeau is probably outplaying him right now in the AHL. He's like three years younger, so sucks for him, but. I mean, you never know. It, like I said, development's not linear with anyone. He could improve drastically in the next two years and turn into a, you know, an NHL caliber defenseman. But I don't see it happening. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And um, yeah, so kind of just now looking towards the the top five here, right? Yeah, for sure. I, look, there's a lot of mock drafts out there. There's a lot of people with different opinions. You're always gonna get that. Yep. Um, look, Bedard, there. Like let's keep this let's keep this brief. There's no there's no potential movement. He's he's not moving, right? No, there's no there's no going to be no, last second shift. There, no and, and, it, and if no some potential challengers, nothing. He's he's you don't even have to think about it. He's finally number one. Like it's a waste of time to talk about it. Right. Yeah. I thought I thought I thought that too. I just wanted to check in with our head scout here. Um. <laughs> for moving moving on, like look, you have Fantilli, and I'm naming. I'm just naming a few here. Uh, Fantilli, Leo Carlson, Mitchkov, which is a, a massive question mark. I think. And then, then you kind of drop into the Zach Bensons, the Will Smiths, the the Sale or Sale, and then the Dvorskys. So yeah. kind of like just, you know, like we just want to know, like, look, after the World Juniors, it was, it was a great showcase. Like, give us some of the guys that you're high on, some of the guys that you're less high on. You don't need to go into full depth, but just kind of a brief overview of, or if there's someone that really stuck out to you, like, and, and you think that he might be a steal at 17, right? Yeah. Like. Well, I mean, the first guy that jumps off the page is someone like Andrew Cristal, who's like in the public scouting sphere, at least, is like be- like beloved. Like, go look at Elite Prospects, Dauber, any public scout on Twitter that, that watches him regularly, they all fall in love with him. He's an elite, elite playmaker, great skater. He's, if you go look at the point totals, him and Zach Benson, I, I haven't checked in the past couple of days, but Crystal was, you know, up there, just behind, like not just behind Connor Bedard, but that's good. I don't, I don't want to cut you off, but that that's in the WHL, right? So he's yeah. he's second to second to Bedard in the WHL scoring. Yeah, yeah, Benson's up there too. Um, okay. But Cristal, the reason I mentioned him is you're talking about someone that could fall. He, I can't say he plays the most projectable game. I mean, it depends on who you ask. Some people, I like Benson better, just because I think he plays a lot more of a projectable game, and he's more to fall back on. Even if Benson doesn't ever become you know, uh, some first-line play-driving offensive forward. He can either become a complementary guy on the first line or even just a very good depth forward to have. His defensive IQ is, like, beyond his years of almost anyone I've seen in recent years. He gets under sticks and takes away pucks like no one else in the draft, pretty much. And he's just an absolute, like, hound on the puck. Uh, it's obviously harder for wingers to have strong defensive impact, but... You put him on a line with a guy like Caulfield, who isn't, it's no secret that he's uh, not the greatest guy in his own zone. 
Benson could re- like drive a line defensively and just break up plays on the back, check pressure defensemen, and get the puck out of his zone. Like he's just an absolute hand. I'm not even talking about his offensive game. I mean, he's playing on a stacked Winnipeg Ice team with guys like Matthew Savoy and Connor Geeky, who were in contention, you know, throughout last year, top five. Obviously, they fall fallen off a little bit, but Zach Benson is just extremely impressive. I've got him like firmly at five. I think. He's he's earned that spot, but with a guy like Crystal, the offensive upside is is not I wouldn't say like much much greater, but it's it's definitely higher than Benson's. He's a dual threat player in the offensive zone. He can thread the needle, get passes through sticks. He can create plays with his hands. He still has a solid shot, even though he's probably a playmaker at heart. But he's just bolos of fun on offense. It's just. Some of his play away from the puck, in my opinion, again, with scouting, it, it depends on who you ask, but I found some inconsistencies on a shift-to-shift basis, which is, like, obviously something you don't want to see. You want to see a guy, you know, giving it his all all the time. But he's just such an offensive talent, and he's not the biggest guy. So if you see someone fall because of their size, to like, you know, if you can grab Crystal anywhere past, like, the seventh pick, I think it's an absolute steal. The guy's so much upside. Interesting. And yeah. uh, Mark, I don't know if you had anything to say. I don't know. Who's your top three, Raylan? Top three right now? Uh, that's tough. Can I, can, I, can I guess it? Sure, go ahead. Like, that's Bedard one? Yeah. And, and, I, and, and this, this relates to the question that I wanted to ask, but I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to stick Fantilli two. And, uh, and Leo Carlson three. Before you answer, Raylan. Okay. The fact that Fantilli was dropped to a bottom six role and a power forward kind of checking role in with Canada does that change the way he's perceived now no no I think if anything it just makes him more versatile not that it makes him more versatile I think we already knew that he could kind of play with that intensity anyone who's like watched him on a regular basis knows he knows how to use his body he can throw it around he can you know use his his size to gain positioning in puck battles he can absolutely rip a shot he's so well-rounded and nhl teams will just be salivating over that at the draft i mean he's a lot like jack eichel where you watch him he's a jack eichel isn't like the I mean, he's 6'2 he's a big guy but he's physically strong mm-hmm. and like you see that with fantilly too but you know there's obviously with every prospect there's gonna be concerns and with fantilly a lot of the time um I think like elite prospects, they do their like stream where they debate like the rankings. Like a lot of their scouts come together and they like, show all the debates and stuff. It's pretty interesting. You should go watch it. Mm-hmm. When they talk about Fantilli, it's like he, a lot of the time he tries to do too much with the puck on his stick, and then when it's not working, he kind of fades out a little bit, which is a bit of a I mean, pretty big concern. But he has all the skills to do what he's trying to do. It's just when he when he's when it's not working for him. It kind of fades out, and that's what they kind of explain it, and I see that too. Whereas with Carlson, it's like if he's not producing offensively, where he went on a bit of a cold stretch in the SHL. I mean, he's already putting up some pretty phenomenal numbers. But with Carlson, he knows what he is. He's doing a lot more off the puck, whereas Fantilli definitely has the potential. He's the speed. He's the IQ. He has the frame to be a force in both zones. He falls into that like Leon Dreisaitl kind of range. Where it's like, I mean, which is a phenomenal player, um, but like a lesser so. Where it's like, 
when he's not with the puck on his stick, the effort isn't always there in the defensive zone. Mm -hmm. With Carlson, I like the two-way play a little bit more. It's kind of a tale of two stories where it's like Antilly is like extremely, extremely high upside. Carlson does too. And Carlson just a bit safer of a bet to be a safer player. I mean, Fantilli's like, I'm saying like he's not going to be a top six center. He will be a top six center. He has all the tools. But yeah, I'm, I've been flip-flopping. I think right now, just because of the upside and like how much I've watched Fantilli personally, I've have him above Carlson right now, but they're close. And Carlson, I wouldn't like bat an eye if a team took Carlson over Fantilli. Okay. And is there, is there a separation between three and four? Uh, like like is it like one and then two and three and then that's when the draft breaks in no i think mitch of is still if it weren't for the whole situation going on with russia and then that on top of his contract which i don't think should be um in consideration at least the contract shouldn't because if you're a team like chicago where they're gonna suck for five years four years you know yeah they're going to be drafting at the top of the draft at least. Like, you know, you got next year, you got guys like Macklin, Chalbrini, and I, you guys probably know Aaron Kiviharyu, a little bit left-handed defenseman from Finland. Uh, you know, you got guys like that coming in, and then you got Michael Misa in 2025, mm-hmm. that guy who's tearing up the OHL right now. <laughs> Chicago's going to have chances to draft players to support Mitchkov. So it's like, so what if he's not here for three years? They want to suck anyways. Well, isn't that kind of like, sorry to cut you off, but isn't that kind of like a Kaprizov situation, except Kaprizov was just drafted way later due yeah. to that whole yeah. thing? Yeah. But with Kaprizov, it was more of a, he played in a lesser known place. So Los Scouts just didn't go watch him. Where right, right now, with, you know, he was playing with Moscow, which is like, uh, or sorry, St. Petersburg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, St. Petersburg. Which is like the most well-known team. But he's just like, Scouts can't go watch him in person right now because of all the border restrictions and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, with Mitchkov, it's like the the offensive upside is like second to none. He scores goals unlike anything I've ever seen. You know, like you play NHL, right? You know, like close quarters, the, yeah. the zone ability? Yeah. He's like that on steroids. Right. This guy can rip a puck in tight and find spaces between the goalies padding like like nobody. You kind of watch... How Kaprizov plays, he scores a lot of his goals in tight. He's not shooting from, you know, the hash mark, like the, the ring ant line or whatever towards the board that much. But, like, Mitchkov is just, like, he could score 70 goals in the NHL if uh, if he wanted to. So then so then my question to you is that although there's all that concern, like, if you put that aside, is he a number two overall pick? Mm, I mean, I think there's still debate just because with, yes, there's tons of offensive creativity from Mitchkov and... A lot of people don't even talk about his playmaking. There's obviously concerns with decision-making. Like I said, he's the skill to be a great playmaker, but he throws the puck. Like, he throws pucks into nowhere sometimes, which, like, again, he'll be playing the next three years in a pro league and hopefully being developed properly. I mean, for Chicago's sake, or whoever takes him, I'm saying <laughs> Chicago, but, uh, whoever takes him. Um So, yeah, I mean, he he's time to develop his skills before he gets to the NHL, but the biggest and most obvious concern if you ask anybody who's watched even a game of him is there's it's not that he's bad defensively he does not even like care yeah, i heard he, i heard he's he a massive liability he, he he'll he'll cherry pick he'll let shots go by him he'll he won't skate for pucks it's like 
it's just not even a concern for him. Like defending it's, isn't it's even just non-existent. It's just not. If you watch like Nikita Kucherov. Um, offensively, they're very different. Kucherov is much more of a playmaker, where Mitchkov's just an absolute sniper. Kucherov like does not care <laughs> defensively at all, but he's so good offensively that he doesn't even matter. But see, but see, that's the thing is that like yeah. if you pair him with with someone who can actually hold down the fort, like in in, in Kucherov's case, you have a point, right? Yeah. Like, does it? I'm not saying. Of course, you don't want to be playing shorthanded every time yeah. the guy's out yeah. there, but does it? Like, if he has that much upside offensively, does it really matter? Yeah, and that's why I think scouts are talking about it a little bit too much. But where, you know, you have to look at it as a whole picture. Where, like I said, his goal scoring is unlike anything I've ever seen before, and that comes with the concern of okay, if we've never seen it before, how can we how well it will project to the next level? Sure. Where some scouts say like, okay, like this kid's just like out of this world. It'll he'll be fine. Where others like they're always it's there's always gonna be skepticism. I mean, people were at the beginning of the year were saying, Oh, Fantilli's ripping up the NCAA, maybe he'll be better than Bedard. But I think at the end of the day, Mitchkov, as long as he comes over and gets the good ice time in the KHL the next three years and his game develops properly, I don't see like he uh, the bare minimum with him is a thirty five goal scorer. Like he's he's that special offensively. Oh. Yeah. Oh. All right, anything else? Anything else, uh, Schwartz? I'm good on my end. I think I think I'm good. No, I I, I think I. Uh... We're hitting 20 minutes here. Yeah. No, it was so. good. It was great. Yes, I mean, we'll, definitely, we'll definitely have you back on for another episode to kind of discuss that as we get closer and hopefully Montreal. I mean, right now would have the seventh pick if if it was based on standings, but hopefully yeah. that they fall into in, into that top, top five. five. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. want to be. I think there's a bit of a like once that you get out of that top four i love benson i think he's great but after benson it's like very very wide open i think you could take okay. anybody at six and it's all up to how they progress okay so top five is kind of like a necessity so it's that kind of like just perfect zone you want to be obviously i mean the higher the better you want the dark right yeah, right. yeah. yeah. but uh yeah there's a lot of talent and i have fans and we're not even talking about the florida pick is uh yeah exactly there's tons and tons of talent in this draft guys that can fall you know, guys that will develop over time. So I, I wouldn't be worried. I trust the management for the most part. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. And I've, all Habs fans should be excited too. It's going to be, the future's going to be fun. Yeah. Great. All right. It was all a right. lot of fun, Ryland. We yeah, appreciate so it. Thanks, Thanks. Guys. I love coming on here. Yeah. Thanks right, a lot. And we'll, uh, we'll, absolutely. Yeah. All right. See, see you guys. Ya. Thanks a lot, Ryland. No problem. There you go. All right, well, that was good. Um, we got a lot of draft insight. He seemed. Is it just me or has he improved in terms of his knowledge? Like he's very like. Oh, he's up there. Clay. He's like, up there. Yeah, no, no, you gotta, gotta no, give no, him a Ryan, shot Ryan, somewhere. He knows what he's talking about. It's good that we have him under contract. Yeah, <laughs> miss what I'm I just like our did? producer oh. here. Yeah. What'd you say? No, no, you you heard me. I I said it's good that we have him under contract. Oh, okay, but, yeah, that yeah, it's good. Yeah, thank God. Imagine. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there's other podcasts around here that's gonna try and snag him, but. Yeah, we're lucky enough. Don't worry, it's um, it's a lucrative deal. Don't worry. So as we conclude this fiftieth episode, uh, we wanted to thank everyone for joining. Um, like we said in the intro, it was super fun. We're super glad we did it. Again, we're recording this uh, after we actually recorded this. So um, again, thanks to everyone who joined. Um, we look forward to one day doing it again in the like in the future because I think it's a good opportunity to get different opinions, like we were saying before. Um, so hopefully, we can get that done. And we thank you again for your patience and for waiting for this episode to come out and for everyone who decided to join. It was a lot of fun, guys. We really appreciate, uh, we really appreciate the guests coming on and uh, 
given given us their opinions. And like Mark said, we'll we'll be happy to have you guys back and and new guests. So if you guys want the opportunity to come back on the or, or be a first timer on the episode on the show, feel free to shoot us a shoot us a message, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, we'll be sure to do something like this again in the near future. Exactly. So thank you for everyone who listened, and we'll catch you guys next time. Take care, guys.